The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. For more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon, and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm Ken Smith, Certified Financial Planner. The purpose of this program is to share with you insights on how to make smarter financial decisions, hopefully a lifetime of smart financial decisions uh, in the investment and financial planning world. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have any comments, you have questions that you want to submit and have us answer on the show, Ethan and I'd be happy to do that. You can give us a call at 1-800-923-4307, or if you have for the radio show that you want to want us to answer some of the questions we've answered recently we talked about angel investing whether it was a good time to do that and a variety of other questions along the way i think we'll have a few uh, audience questions today actually um, but you can shoot us an email at contact at empiradio.com that's contact at empiradio.com if you're an individual out there looking uh, for financial advice or guidance in a one-on-one setting, we'd be happy to help you wherever you're at in the country. You can give us a call or shoot us an email at that same email address, and one of our financial advisors will get in touch with you. Uh, and We don't care what size your portfolio is. We want to be able to help you with some financial advice. So it may be on a, an hourly or a flat rate uh, basis that we would charge to give you a retirement plan or some basic um, issues that you want to cover. We'll keep it very reasonable. Or you may have $20 million that you want to have professionally managed in what we believe are some of the best investment strategies in the entire world. Maybe even the universe, Ethan, as far as we know. As far as we know. We haven't found another planet that's doing it better than what you're doing in your office. That's correct. So far. Uh, and by the way, welcome to the show, Ethan. Hey, it's good to be here. Ethan Braga, my co-host, Certified Financial Planner. And uh, I say uh, financial advisor extraordinaire frequently. <laughs> good to have you. Again, good to be here again. So, Ethan, uh, why don't you uh, quickly overview what we might be looking for with um, in our goals to expand our advisor presence around the country? Yeah, as we've mentioned, from in, sea to shining sea. That's right. In the past, we, I think in every show, pretty much, we've we've talked about this idea of um, partnering up with additional professional advisors out there that are already in the industry. Uh, perhaps you're working um, in, in a firm now, or maybe you're working for yourself now, but you'd like to to leverage the experience and 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 things we've we've built over the last decade or more of of being in business. Um, we'd love to talk with you more about that. So please give us a call if you're interested. 
800-923-4307 and just ask for Ken or Ethan. When we designed the show, Ethan, we wanted to share ideas um, when we thought about sitting down and recording and doing a little program. Mm -hmm. One was we were frustrated with the traditional financial media. We wanted to have an alternative that incorporated maybe some funny things, funny to myself and sometimes funny to you. Yeah, mostly Um, funny to me sometimes, yeah. Yeah. But uh, in addition to having some education or some knowledge being imparted, we wanted to really grapple with issues that typically otherwise don't get covered in the media because they traditionally haven't been as as uh, exciting um, or carry that, you know, shock and awe power. But, um, but at the same time, we wanted to reach out to financial professionals. Uh, there are many, many different types of financial service professionals out in the marketplace. Um, many, and we'll talk a little bit in our kind of news of the day today, um, are held to different standards or different levels of uh, client uh, responsibility. Mm-hmm, and so sure. we'll talk about, a little bit about that. Different types of pay schemes um, and uh, yeah, different I, levels of cre- credentials and education. And I would just mention, I mean, since uh, we're on the topic here, talking a, a little bit more about this. You know, we have, uh, we're in the process of, of onlining a couple different advisors at different locations across the country. So we're in Seattle here. That, that's where our office is. But uh, we're not limited to just this geographical geographical area. You know, we're interested in, in opening, uh, partnering with folks from across the country. So if you're listening to this, don't don't think it's just because if you don't live in Seattle, it's not going to work out. You know, you can live anywhere in the country, basically, and we can. We'd be interested in talking with you. Definitely. Well, Ethan, let's uh, let's dive into the uh, you know little news of the week. So I saw uh, an interesting headline. I was just checking the market, and um, Bernie Madoff <clears throat> says the judge made him a human piñata. Um, really? <laughs> Is that what it says? That's what it says. Oh, um, so I, I thought maybe I'd just kind of read some of the headline out of the New York Times here on their site. Uh, having served two years of his 150-year sentence... 150 years, so they made a good example out of uh, out of that dirty bird. Yep. Bernie Bernard L. Madoff uh, remains upset that the judge, Denny Chin, did not give him a shorter term, which might have allowed him a chance to someday regain his freedom, even as a very old man. And then this is a quote of Bernie. Maybe the judge felt, well, he's 70 years old, so even if I give him 20 years... He's going to be 90 years old, Mr. Madoff said by the phone from the federal prison at Butner, North Carolina. Not sure. Butner, Butner. But quite frankly, there's a big difference with dying in prison, you know, and dying outside with your family. Judge Chin has said that in recent interviews, he considered a sentence that might have allowed Mr. Madoff to be freed when he was in his 90s. But he concluded that Madoff simply did not deserve it. And in court, called his conduct, conduct extraordinarily evil. Definitely evil. Mm-hmm. Mr. Madoff, in a recent series of interviews and emails, took issue with the judge's description. 
To characterize him as a, this monster and this evil person, he said, I just think it was totally unrealistic and unfair. In my mind, Chin was anything but fair. With zero understanding of the industry, Mr. Madoff added, he said the judge had made him... <laughs> what do you got to understand? <laughs> You're stealing millions of dollars from people? I don't understand how he can be... That's odd. Was it millions of dollars? Billions. Uh, we're going to get to the bottom of that. I think it was $150 million? We'll see. I think it's quoted in here. Um, <clears throat> remember he said they caused... Uh, oh, here we go. Um, zero understanding of the industry, Mr. Miller said. He said the judge had made him the human pinata of Wall Street while financial firms and government officials walk away free. Remember, he said, they caused the recession, not me not moi <laughs> well that's true we certainly may be frustrated with some of the financial firms and the government officials and the way regulations were were um, removed and uh, the short-term incentives of the corporate fat cats sure as they like to say yeah they yeah. love to say that uh, during the crisis my brother was always uh, joking about how frequently they were talking about fat cats. And the fat cats on Wall Street. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was confused a little bit. So, is he, he's, is he complaining that, uh, <laughs> is he complaining about, uh, I don't know, Is I'm that not a sure. corporate fat cat? <laughs> Sounds like a little kitten. Oh, this uh, probably is more of my wallet size. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I'm no corporate fat cat. Okay, go ahead, Ethan. Is he saying that if it wasn't for those guys that he'd still be in business? Is that what he means? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, he was definitely the one screwing everybody. Without the, re without the recession, he'd still be around? Is that what they're getting at? I don't understand. Well, let's proceed on. All right. Me and me go. That's a goofy one. As long as we're in the... I have a hard time feeling sorry yeah. for the guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it says, um, Mr. Madoff also criticized his prosecutors. Neither they... Nor the judge would comment on his remarks uh, at, I believe it's Butner, Butner, <laughs> where his house, uh, where he's housed in a medium security prison. He said that in making his criticisms, he was not trying to justify his conduct. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. My comments should not be taken as an excuse for the pain and suffering I have caused. He wrote in another message, he said uh, he felt completely responsible and and uh, does have remorse and shame for what I have done. Mr. Madoff, who did not appeal his sentence, said he worked most uh, days in the commissary and spent recreational time walking on a track and reading books from junk novels to... I don't want to hear about all that. Yeah. Um, yeah, he said, uh, did he expect it to be a long sentence? Yes, but did I think it was going to be 150 years? No. And he's 73 now, Ethan. <clears throat> He's not in that great of a health, right? Um, I don't know. You yeah, know, don't know. They said that the thought of dying in prison remained very difficult for him. Wasn't the idea of going to prison something that should be incredibly difficult? I if agree. it was like, oh, hey, this is a good deal. It's a, um, it's a medium security prison. It wouldn't to... be such a good deterrent then. Right. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that I'm constantly anguished about the pain I have caused my family and others, I could deal with the prison life here at Butner. Butner. Um, you know, on a, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, 
I still don't feel sorry for him at all. It's, it's terrible. I'm trying to find the uh, the number. Oh, here it is. Madoff's clients lost an estimated $18 billion in what has been described as the largest Ponzi scheme in history. And then uh, it was 11 federal felonies and was sentenced to maximum 150 years. Wow. And uh, more than 100 of Madoff's victims wrote letters to Chin before, before the sentencing. Many have lost their entire life savings in the scam. Wow. That was scandalous. Um, hmm. Well, Ethan, do you have anything to comment about that? I mean, I, I thought that was an interesting nugget. Interesting. Um, in the news. I don't know. I, I don't know. The guy who, he was printing statements. He was the custodian, custodian of the assets and the person advising what supposedly what they're buying and selling and stuff. I mean, he's obviously very guilty. Of a lot of things. Yeah. And so, I, again, I have a hard time feeling bad for him at all. Well, as we record this evening, this is Wednesday, um, the 28th, and uh, the market was up 100 and, what, 140? Yeah, the Dow was up 145. And, uh, I mean, after all these downturns and we have upturns, this, this market's water in a peach tree, uh, peach orchard bore. Two days of double, uh, sorry, uh, triple digits in the last two days. That's mm. pretty good. Well, we've got a... You didn't say anything about my boar, my boar joke. We, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. You want to know the inside scoop on how today's leaders do business? How they hire and develop top talent? How do they retain top employees and customers? Tune in to Leadership Leverage on the Voice America Business Channel. Every week, Dr. Robert Denker will offer ideas and facilitate discussion with guests that will help shape today's up-and-coming leaders as well as established leaders in their fields. Listen for Leadership Leverage every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. 
To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. It's a beautiful day. Indeed. Yes, it is. Well, Ethan, before the break, we were talking about uh, the statements made uh, by Bernie Madoff. Yep. Who was famous during the uh, market meltdown, what I like to call the market mayhem. Um, And uh, his uh, famous... uh, Ponzi scheme, right? And you know, you had uh, had written a paper. What was the date on that? Yeah, let me pull it up here. All uh, right, go ahead and pull it up. It is the uh, one of our quarterly quarterly letters, uh, dated December two thousand nine. The name of the paper is uh, it's commingled with a couple of other things, uh, namely the deficit dollar, and then investor safety. Uh Um, As you might imagine, as this the Madoff situation was unraveling um we were getting questions from existing clients about well hey what's the you know i trust you guys and like you guys but what what protections are in place uh so this doesn't happen to me and so we're getting we're getting it the question frequently enough where we thought hey, it's a good idea to to write something on this uh, which we did and it's in that uh, paper i just mentioned all right and you can pull that down off of our website yeah you just go empirical uh www.empiricalfs.com that's frank sam uh, incorrect. That's correct, yes. All right. And then under resources, on the far right-hand corner, um, there's a list of empirical papers that we've written over the years. Oh, those are good. You know, frankly, they are, are really good. Uh, I think How good true. are they? Extremely good. This one in particular is... Uh, oh, righty. ...dated... Uh, thank you, Jim Carrey. Uh, December... <laughs> is it? That's a loud applause. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't even done yet. Okay, well, I thought we were talking about the papers. Oh, yeah. All right, well, December 2009. It's all there. Okay. And it's pretty good stuff. Check it out because I think, you know, when we read in the article, people lost their life savings. Yeah. Um, if you read the paper, the, the Ethan sliced and diced this thing like a set of Ginsu's. Um, <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> um. But, uh, you know, I think what you illustrated there was there was actually quite a few warning signs um, or things that you could have, um, if you applied um, as a part of your screening process, would have led you to say, hey, I'm not going to put all my life savings in this kind of a situation. Right, right. And, you know, one of those things that I don't remember was specifically in your paper or not, but I would say that anytime anyone's promising you something that sounds too good to be true um something that maybe when other investments uh aren't doing so well this somehow provides you with um extraordinarily high rates of return with very little downside risk um you might start to question the strategy because we say risk should be inextricably combined with return opportunity and you can't have one without the other right um you can't have one without the other i mean there if you if you have something that should generate very high returns in most cases it should be accompanied with the risk and if you're 
you're seeing a portfolio that's generating double-digit plus returns and has very little downside volatility, there's a problem with that. Right. Just in itself, without going through. But your paper covers all the real things. Yeah. Like even you know, before you, that's a, yeah. You know, in that situation you're describing, I mean, you're, you're a lot of things, a lot of decisions have already been made. You're already working with, in this case, Bernie Madoff, and you're looking at the statements, thinking everything's pre- it's peachy because you know my returns are pretty good and. Even though the market's going down, my, I'm still growing here. Yeah, and that there are numerous things in advance of that, in my view, you'd come to uh, along the way. And one of those that we highlight here is just having custody of the assets. You know, uh, Mer- uh, Bernie had his company had custody of the assets, um, which means there was not any independent, you know, um, you know, purview into the, what's going on in the accounts. Like in our case, for example, we have Charles Schwab as our, one of our selected custodians. There was not any empir- empirical accounts. You know, there's no, uh, we, don't, we don't operate as a custodian. So there's a, a separate independent third party providing uh, reporting and performance information, transaction information. So they can be independently verified, in other words, just well, by the client. Well, well, do you know what he was supposed to be invested in? What was Bernie I actually don't know. Off, uh, um, My so, thought was that well, he, owned, yeah. uh, he, he owned the, the investment products as well, if I recall correctly. Like, I don't know, Bernie Madoff Fund 1, Bernie Madoff Fund 2, that sort of thing. So these sorts of things were kind of closed funds that you know, didn't really trade throughout the day. So in other words, he had his own investments inside of his own um, uh, custodian as well, which is a, a double problem. Let's see. Let's go to the trusted source on Wikipedia. That's where we get all of our information. <laughs> right. Um, no, it always comes up first on the uh, Google search. Right. But, um, I, I was just curious if we knew... Offhand, um, oh, I see. Charles Ponzi was the uh, was the invent was became not- notorious for the use of the Ponzi scheme. Pays returns to separate investors, not from actual profit, but from their own money or money paid by new subsequent, right? Exactly, yeah. investors. And offer uh, Ponzi schemes usually entice new investors by offering returns. Other investments cannot guarantee, and that's what I was just saying. What am I, some kind of genius here, or what? <laughs> I should have wrote this. It's been said before. Uh, Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm kidding, of course. Um, The perpetuation of the returns at the Ponzi scheme advertises and pays requires an ever-increasing flow of money. But see, like all those shows where they highlight the the Ponzi guys, it's always very similar in that the one theme is that, at least on a printed statement, that you're getting these very high rates of return. And... I would suggest that before you got to any of the other, um, for example, if if we were investing our clients' money, we tend to classify things in various asset classes that are very easy to understand. Right. And it would be very difficult for us to say, well, um, if large company stocks went down 10%, for us to show returns where the large company stock portion of their portfolio was up 20%, right? Right. Because we're using funds that over time may have be adding some incremental value, but not like that, right? That's crazy where, where you're saying, hey, so you should be able to understand, in my view, of getting anyone, I don't care if it's Madoff, who was the head of, um, was it the NASD for a time? He sat on the... Yes, was it I think so. Um, and it's almost the more famous the name of the person... I would even be more and more skeptical, you know, in terms of if they were directly pitching me. 
the product or whatever. Um, but but y- you should have some understanding, and I think this is where there is a, been a huge disconnect in the people getting help in terms of their investments and the people providing help is the notion that in traditional brokerage arrangements that the client should know as little as possible um, versus, and if they know what and understand the strategy, that somehow the, the value of getting help is diminished. And that that's kind of been my experience in reading <clears throat> of how this is, the industry's developed was in the earlier times it was like, hey, you really don't know you know, and you don't need to know, I'll keep you informed kind of thing. And there's right. an information. Then with the Internet and the amount of of information that was easily accessible, just on things like what stocks are trading at from moment to moment, right, right um, was an informational disadvantage <clears throat> that as an investor you didn't have. You had to call your broker to find out what the stock was trading at at one time in history. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but... Um, but my my point here, Ethan, is that um, good advice. You know, there there's some value in someone being there to hold you accountable to it. Not just that, hey, I don't understand how to do this, or that I couldn't do it. Um, and that might be worth more than what a lot of people I think think, because in the end, it should be an evaluation of the rate of success <clears throat> that you've had, not how much the portfolio got turned over or how complicated or the fact that I didn't understand the strategy. And I think maybe that goes contrary to a lot of other fields. I think you're right about that. You know what I'm saying? I think so. I mean, what are your, what are your feelings on that? Yeah. I mean, of course, anybody, anybody could do a lot of things. I mean, you could be, I could say to myself, Hey, I want to go, you know, climb Mount Rainier or something you know I could I have the potential within me to do it but it's really difficult to do it you know <clears throat> to actually step out and actually get it done and I'm much more likely to be successful in that endeavor if I I work with somebody who's done it before yeah you know who's successfully climbed the mountain several times knows the way up and down knows what kind of stuff I should bring um, so in my view it, it is something that is the value is somewhat diminished but to me the proof is sort of in the pudding y- you can't get credit for something you haven't done you know what I mean? I can't yeah. just because I, I have it within my capability of doing something like that, uh, like like climbing Mount Rainier or whatever. Um, I, I can't just say that. Oh yeah, I could do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to actually do it. That's when you get credit for it. And most investors clearly fail to do it right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Vis-a-vis the um, uh, the reports that come out and the studies on that sort of thing by individual <laughs> investor success. Well. We had about thirty seconds, and I wanted to move into this other uh, news article in the uh, investment news publication, just kind of a, a trade magazine, but it was about clients and uh, fiduciary responsibilities. This might be interesting for both individuals and advisors out there. Let's let's come back and we'll talk about that. How does that sound? Does Sounds that good. make you happy? Or? Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. We'll be right back. We have to take a small break. Empirical Investing Radio. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. 
Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, and we're back. Welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm your co-host, Ethan Broga, here, kicking off the third segment of our hour-long program today. Uh, just briefly, once again, if you'd like to get a hold of us, uh, feel free to call us directly at the Seattle office at uh, 800-923-4307. Uh, feel free to ask for Ken or Ethan uh, and mention the radio, and we'll be, be sure to pick up and, and speak with you. Uh, of course, if you would like to reach us via email, that's fine, too. You can reach us at contact at EMPI. Radio.com. Hey, Ken, what's the next uh, part of the show here? What are we going to cover oh, next? Oh, okay. Well, you know, I was, uh, as I was scanning the news, we're doing kind of a news of the day segment here. I get, uh, let me pull this out. I get the, uh, sorry about that. It was wrinkled up. Investment news uh, <laughs> periodical here. And uh, if you're an advisor, I don't know, it's, it's got some interesting stuff in it sometimes. Sure. Um, I find we're usually two or three years ahead of all the late-breaking stuff. I don't know. You're an innovator, Ethan. Right. You're an, you're That's an, you're an innovator. Partly you're, true. You're no corporate fat cat, but uh, you are an innovator. Uh, so anyway, it says um, clients, uh, Viewpoint Editorial, clients won't care if you don't. Clients won't care if you don't. 
Just wanted to make sure that was clear. Uh, surprise, surprise. 85% of full-service investment firms' clients have never heard of, nor do they understand, the difference between the suitability standard followed by brokers mm-hmm. and the fiduciary standard followed by registered investment advisors, according to a J.D. Power & Associates survey. So, uh, you know, we've I bring this up, I just stopped there, because you've... You've been very passionate, Ethan, about your crusade right. uh, for this fiduciary standard, so much so that you and, and our compliance officer, Jamie, are frequently talking about what we can and cannot do in our in our financial planning practice uh, about um, the discussion of fiduciary. Sure. And we've seen, I've seen funny clips and things from some industry pundits or whatever that talk about how big of a debate or discussion this seems to be behind the scenes the insurance companies the brokers the groupies the uh, investment advisors last week we were doing a little routine um, about smart money and their einstein and they were talking about the storefront advisors whatever that is Um, (laughs) right your classic run-of-the-mill storefront (laughs) advisor um, so anyway, I thought we would talk about it here, and I'd just maybe read a few more uh, sentences and then get your your um, wisdom on this issue and see if for advisors and for um, individual investors out there if you could shed some light. Uh, I'll do the best we can. Okay. Let's, let's, uh, let's start it off here. All right. Illuminate this uh, issue. So it says, uh, as a story last week in Investment News noted, investors don't seem very concerned about the different standards. In fact, there seems to be a fair amount of confusion among investors over the meaning of fiduciary standard. Some 42% of respondents to the survey said that the fact that their financial advisors adhere to fiduciary standards. Now, this is where you got to pay attention. 42% of the respondents say that the fact that their advisors adhere to, that means that they are claiming to be at fiduciaries, it actually reduces their level of comfort. <laughs> so. <laughs> are you kidding? Um, That's yeah. what it says, huh? Yeah, hold on. <laughs> I can't believe <laughs> That's That's shocking. I don't think they understand the, what it means. It must be the case, right? Like, you wouldn't be upset that someone's going to watch out for, for your, your best interests. Right? Well, it's definitely odd, right? Um, it certainly isn't what they intend. I'm, I'm sure of that. This is, a real, this is a real headline, a real news article in a real magazine, and I'm, I'm shocked by that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a very, very alerting, disconcerting at the least, um, because, you know, here you've often felt like, hey, I want to make sure people understand that we're, we're at doing our best act within the fiduciary standard. Right. Which was something that was adopted. I mean, it's jargon, right, from the legal perspective. It, I believe it came from the whole trust and the prudent uh, rules and guidelines. And Right. So a lot of this stuff is, is very jargon Laden. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I can. I mean, from my view, it obviously it's something that I'm, I'm yeah. pretty familiar with, and so I, I'm I'm just surprised by that. Many people would be put off, in fact, by the word fiduciary uh, in in the usage of their either advice or follows a fiduciary standard. To me, that would be a good thing. I, I can't see any, anybody why well, anybody would have a problem or feel less comfortable, certainly, with that. Well, I wonder, and it doesn't say, but I mean, 
when it says that 42% of the respondents, I'm assuming this is some kind of a survey, but I, I don't know that they were explaining, um, because a lot of these things are in the way that you frame the question. Sure. If they if they just ask the question, hey, the fact that your advisor is a, act, acts within a fiduciary standard, does that make you more or less comfortable? I don't know how they frame it. I'm sure they didn't say that if the fact that the advisor has to put your interest before their own, relative to the other alternative in the industry, which is they 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 can consider their own interests when they give you recommendations. Right. Does that make you more or less comfortable? I. I it w- we no wonder we are frustrated oftentimes. If I think if, that's true, you know what I mean. Like I do. Uh, so it says, but why would they be concerned, and why would they not be, and why would they not be confused if no one has ever explained the difference? That's what our show's here for, Ethan. Right. Between the two standards and explained what a fiduciary standard is, most investors probably assume that their brokers or investment advisors are providing them with the best advice for their particular situation. That is that they are receiving objective information untainted by the self-interest of the person providing it. They might have reacted differently if they understood that brokers are required only to ensure that suggested investments are suitable for the clients and that the brokers can consider their, their own interest. For example, the size of their own personal commission. Right. That can be a part of their consideration in the recommendations. While registered investment advisors must offer advice solely in the interest of the client, clients. You know, the real thing that I, uh, I'm thinking of as we're talking about this, I mean, I get the difference between a registered representative that works for a, broker, a brokerage company, and I get the difference from what we do. Um, but I think, you know, a, a, a client or a person who's looking for help would easily say, well, what was Bernie Madoff? You know what I mean? It wasn't he. He was, I, I was presuming, RIA, right? Right. He just happened to be a big crook as well. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard if you're not following any rules, then it doesn't really matter what bucket you're going to be put into. Right, right. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're a person who's willing to break the law, regardless, why wouldn't you hold yourself out to be a, for the highest standard, right? To, to try to look, make yourself look better. Or, right. I guess, to generate more business. Um, oddly enough, this whole thing to date hasn't, um, well, you know, I think independent registered investment advisors who are held to that standard have grown over the last couple of decades, you know, say the last 20 years, their share, proportionate share of high net worth individuals. Particularly, I, I would venture to say without having those statistics right in front of me, that it's grown. Um, and they've gained ground as a group right. on the traditional wirehouses, brokerage firms, even the discount brokerage firms that are now trying to dive into the uh, advice game. I'd bet you're right as well. Um, all that stuff, right, that they have. But I don't know it's because solely that people understood this fiduciary concept. I think it's because they had a better business model, which came down to, hey, we're going to start giving you advice without being paid commission. Right. And I don't know that everyone's made the co- connection between, well, beyond that, what does that mean? You know, I think it's been a, a matter of, hey, I can have a local person in my area who has maybe a higher degree of education or credentials, experience. Sure. Um, and they are in an independent realm. So that means they're also not tied to some brokerage agenda. 
Um, but this fiduciary thing, I think, is a whole different. Um, it's, just, it's not even double standard. It's not even clear whether Representative Barney Frank, Democrat from Massachusetts, understands the implications of a fiduciary standard versus a suitability standard. While the Dodd-Frank financial reform law gave the SEC the authority to impose a fiduciary duty on a broker, broker-dealer, that is no less stringent than that required of investment advisors. In a May 31 letter to the chairman, Mary Shapiro, he appeared to say the SEC should be very careful not to foist the investment advisor standard onto brokers. Hmm. Huh? This is I'm reading right out of the article here in Investment News. A fiduciary standard for brokers should be no less stringent than the investment advisor standard, but shouldn't be the same. This suggests some confusion in Mr. Frank's mind implies that he would accept two different fiduciary standards. The low level of knowledge on the part of the investors is not an excuse to allow the two different standards to continue. And uh, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's our job, I guess, to inform individuals. And I think if you listen to the show, hopefully you do get informed about this, Ethan. Yeah, yeah. What these differences are, why, why, do, why do we even care? Well, from our perspective, I mean, my, my view, right, is that hey, if we're, we're acting as a fiduciary or in that capacity, we're really providing advice from, from the client's perspective, which is what they should be getting anyways. Um, but clearly, it must be that most clients, from, well, not most clients, but, but people who are working with um, your standard brokerage firm don't feel the need for, to understand the difference or care about the differences that much. It's confusing to me a little bit, but... Well, then we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to get your view a little further, a little more insight on this. We'll be right back. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at empiricalfs.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. 
Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. It's our last segment. And we were talking about fiduciary standard relative to suitability. And uh, Ethan, I had read the article out of the investment news about what you found to be shocking that the survey that they did um, asking clients how they felt about their advisor acting in a fiduciary capacity, 42% of them felt less comfortable (laughs) <laughs> or responded that they were less comfortable that their advisor was acting in a uh, fiduciary capacity. Yeah, they must have thought um, that the fiduciary was a bad bad word or it's something. A, it's or, a dirty word. I'm not sure. I, that, that would be confusing to me um, as to why that would be the case. So as we went to the break, I was asking you, well, why should anyone even care? When really, I don't think that that has been the biggest um, fuel for the independent RIA's growth relative to the brokerage firms over the last couple decades. Hey, you're probably right about that, as my guess as well. And I think that article, based on the number of respondents who's re- responded negatively to the word fiduciary, I think you're probably right. Um, but to me, there is a big difference between um, uh, what we we hold our hold out ourselves to be as fiduciaries versus just a person who is working for a brokerage company as a registered representative. You know, in my view, the registered rep. Um, is really representing the company first, and then then maybe the client, you know. Certainly mm-hmm. not putting the client's interests first in, in many in many cases anyway. I mean, just the way that they're compensated is 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 troubling anyway. In, in a sense of, hey, I can make more if I I personally will gain more if I sell you a particular product over something else that maybe I would get paid less on. Um, so to me, that's a little bit. There's some type of conflict there that seems pretty obvious. And if I was a client, I'd want to avoid that if possible. Yeah, and the way that you do that, in my view, is work with a an IRA or somebody who is ha, does have the fiduciary standard in place, like like we do, where hey, we're not getting co- compensated at all based on what we you know advise clients to buy, whether it be insurance, whether it be mutual funds or ETFs. None of that stuff matters. We get it's one fee regardless of what the actual recommendation is. So compensation is certainly one aspect of it. Are there other components? Let's say that it's a brokerage company where they decide. Hey, we're just going to pay our guys a salary, um, and but they're still held to the suitability criteria. Does that change anything in your mind? Well, it makes it, in my view, a little bit less, uh, certainly a less rigorous 
standard, right? I mean, uh, how how much do you know about the client to, to make sure that what you're doing is the best thing, given all things considered? Well, what's the difference between suitability and that standard and what the fiduciary, this word, and if you had to change the word fiduciary to something else, yeah. well, well, I know. I don't like that word when either. I, when I used to work in the industry, yeah. I used to work for Schwab, and we had to check the suitability requirements. And basically, it was a couple of a few simple questions. You know, how much do you do you make? How much do you have in terms of uh, investable assets? Um, a very, a very few tax like, bracket, tax bracket, and those sorts of things. L- how, what was your knowledge? Yeah. Limited, non-limited, good, right. excellent. It was like five or six uh, questions. What was your experience? That were very general. Yeah, and. That doesn't mean that I know the client or what I'm re- recommending is appropriate. You know, I mean, if I'm telling the client to take a particular course of action, but there's tons of tax ramifications that I'm not aware of because they didn't tell me about it. Yeah. Well, the information I gathered was insufficient to make the appropriate recommendation, you know, as, as an example. Where, you know, here when we're giving advice, um, we kick it around a lot. I mean, every angle we can take to make sure, hey, this is the best course of action giving, given all things considered. You know, a lot, of, lot more... I uh, think question and time go into establishing, you know, what what we actually should be doing. It's mm-hmm. just it's different. It takes more time, and I think it's a different environment. I mean, perhaps in the in a purely more of a salesy role, like like it would be, I think, at a traditional brokerage firm. I think um, uh, there's more impetus to to get things done more quickly, and so perhaps the hurdles lower. And I think a lot of the individual registered reps want to do the right thing for clients. I don't think that that is always the issue. I think the firms that they work for have a different agenda where profitability and revenues might be top to that agenda. And then the part about getting the client into the right area may be secondary. Like, hey, we we need to do this because we have to cover our butts, as it were. Um, so make sure you get the suitability information. But it seems like sometimes the the product waves that roll through the these various firms, like, hey, we're selling this kind of managed advice or we're doing these kinds of bonds or we're doing this type of structured note or whatever it may be, um, simply having the guys paid a salary doesn't change the, the corporate agenda, in my view. Yeah, the environment in which they're operating on. in is still yeah. not exactly ideal, in my view, regardless of the, the individual representative's you know, perspective or, or whether or not they think they're doing the right thing or not. The environment doesn't lend itself to be, you know, um, completely conflict-free. And the fact that they don't want their guys held or girls to held to that standard, some of them, you know, are, you know, the brokers don't want to be held to, to that fiduciary standard. They want to define what their own standards are, if possible. Um, I think is because they don't want to open themselves up to lawsuits, right? Well, that and they probably would get, make a lot less money. Oh, okay. Don't you think? I mean, that would be one thing. Potentially. I would think. Yeah. I mean, there's some reasons why. And, and to implement the, the fiduciary standard versus the the, the traditional standard um, would be, I think, troublesome, cumbersome. So c- coming back around here to the individual level. So, you know, if you're an advisor, you probably have a pretty good understanding of what's going on in this debate. And you know, if I'm working as an advisor, I like being in an atmosphere where I can can act in, in that capacity. Sure. Um, because acting in that capacity means that, for me, I get to have a little bit more rewarding career where I do get to find out more meaningful information about my clients and then present them a, a set of solutions, which I think present them the best opportunity to be successful 
Right. So I'm not I'm not stuck to some weird corporate agenda and where I just get surface. That's not very rewarding personally to me. Right. Yeah, I feel so, some way about that. On the advisor side, on the individual side, I think most, based on what we're reading here and what comes back in these discussions about, most people don't know and a lot of times don't even care. They just want to make money. Um, you know what I mean? I want to work with a guy that's going to make me money. What do I care whether it's suitability or fiduciary or all this other stuff? Who's going to make me some money? Right. Um, and you're saying, well, that's great, but there's a reason why you would want to have 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 some consideration to what the standard they're being held to is. In my view, yes. Yeah. Which is goes beyond who has the hottest investment product of the moment. It's a little bit about building and our earlier discussion about trying to build a relationship with someone that's not going to sell you the hottest investment product of the moment, but someone's going to help you make smart decisions over the course of an entire lifetime. Um, some of those decisions may be outside of the scope of purely managing a portfolio of stocks and bonds. And you'd like to know that, geez, if he's, this person's making these suggestions, they're doing it because they have a, a responsibility to give me good advice, not because they're, they're waiting to sell me an insurance product at the end of their, my in, the insurance presentation I just got right. as to how important it is. But if they're they're really saying, hey, you should look at, into long-term care insurance or you should be, you know, looking into life insurance. And I have nothing financially to gain outside of the pre-agreed fee. Right. That's not a bad situation. Seems good. All right, Ethan. Well, we're done for this week. We're spent. You've given all you can. Um, thanks for joining and <laughs> tune in next week. Right. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 